for our second scripture reading, we're going to be reading the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. You can find that in your pew Bibles on page 1,524. Um, or if you prefer, we will have the words on the screen for you. Um, Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was a Christ. authoritative word. May all who hear it find that they confess Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. Who do you say I am? Who is this Jesus? In many ways we have come to an apex in Matthew's gospel. For this is the, the, the question that the author has been slowly and methodically building towards. Who do you say I am? It was in the, in the very beginning in, in chapter 1 that we saw the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. These are titles that speak to both his, his kingship and the blessing that he would bring about to all nations. And it was at his birth that we noticed the names that were given to this one who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. First, there is Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. It is an indication of his messianic role that this, that this child would grow to fulfill. And then there is Emmanuel, or God with us, showing us the divine nature that this boy possessed. And it was the Magi from the east who saw the star in the sky, and they recognized this child as the king of the Jews. They paid homage to our Lord by bringing him gifts and bowing down in worship. But as this boy became a man, it was John the Baptist who, who pointed him out, saying that he is the one who, who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. And it was at Jesus' baptism that the voice from the Father in heaven declared, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
And then in chapters 5 through 7, it was in the Sermon on the Mount where we bore witness to the authoritative teaching of Jesus as, he, as if he himself were the author of God's word. And he backed his teaching up through the many signs and wonders that, that he performed as he healed the sick, cast out demons, and even raised a young girl from the dead. And it was at the feeding of the 5,000 and at the 4,000 that, that Jesus revealed himself to be the, the, the bread of life, the great provider, as he multiplied the bread and the fish, feeding the masses. But for his disciples, they received an even greater glimpse into the identity of this Jesus as they witnessed him calm the storm and even walk upon the water. And it was in that boat that these men worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. But despite all these things, there were still some who were, who were determined to discredit this man. It was the Pharisees who said that it was by the prince of demons that this man cast out demons. And they accused him of, of breaking the Sabbath because he healed healed a man on that sacred day. And it was they, along with the scribes and the, and the Sadducees, who demanded a sign from heaven above because they didn't believe in the miracles that were already manifest. And so they spread the yeast of doubt concerning the identity of this man. All of this is the buildup to our passage for today. It is the evidence that we must take into account as we come to this major turning point in Matthew's gospel. For it is here that, that, that Jesus puts forth a question, a question of supreme importance. Who do you say I am? Who is this Jesus? The evidence of these first 16 chapters is before us. How are we going to answer that question? Let's, let's dive into God's word and, and, and discover what God has to say to us. Look again at chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, if you remember from last week, Jesus had just been confronted by a contingency from the, from the, of the Pharisees and, and Sadducees. And like he has done in the past, Christ retreated from such conflict as we now see that he and his disciples had, had left Galilee and traveled roughly 25 miles north to the Gentile region of Caesarea Philippi. I don't know if you can see on that map, um, but it's quite a distance that they had to travel. Now, what is Caesarea Philippi? Well, it was Gentile territory. It was a place where the God of the Jews was little known and little cared for. And in a similar note, the, the people who resided in that land were less likely to know or even care about Jesus. 
All this to say that is that Jesus, he traveled this distance in order that he and his, his disciples could be away from the masses so that they could have some time alone, away from confrontation. He was in a region where he would not be recognized and not draw a crowd. He wanted time alone with his most loyal of followers in order that he may ask them a most important question. But as set up to that question, he began with a different one. Who do people say the Son of Man is? In other words, what, what is the public opinion concerning me? Of course, the opinion among the people concerning the identity of Jesus was, was split. It was divided. If you recall, it was Herod Antipas who thought that Jesus was John the Baptist raised from the dead. And there were others who were, who were following Herod's footsteps and saying, yeah, that's, that's John the Baptist again. And then there were others who, who thought that, that Jesus was the Elijah, the, the forerunner to the Messiah. And then there were those who, who thought he was like Jeremiah, a prophet who spoke out against the religious leaders of his day. And then there were some who, who were expecting a long series of prophets uh, to come and, and pave a path for the Messiah's arrival. And so they thought, perhaps Jesus is one of those prophets. Now, all of these answers are, are respectable in nature. None of them would be seen in a, in a negative light. But as honorific as these titles were, they were insufficient when it came to Jesus. It's, it's like calling Michael Jordan a, a decent basketball player or, or Tiger Woods an, an okay golfer. I mean, each of those fall far short from the, from the truth. And with Jesus, it's as if people wanted to show, show him the respect because of all the good things that he's done yet they refuse to go the full distance and declare him as the Christ, this Messiah, their king. It's been 2,000 years and not much has changed. Today, there are a lot of ideas about who Jesus is. If you ask a Muslim, they will say he was a great prophet. If you ask a Jehovah's Witness, well, they think that he was an angel. If you ask your average person on the street, they will probably say, well, he was a good moral teacher, but nothing more. Just like 2,000 years ago, the masses are confused when it comes to Jesus. And for the most part, they, they, they don't want to disparage the man, but, but in their attempts to be kind, they fall well short of the truth. Plain and simple. There are few today who understand the truth about Jesus. They know of him, but they don't know him. Such confusion was just as widespread back then. If you recall, even, even John the Baptist had his doubts. Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? And part of this confusion lied in the fact that there were many differing theories concerning the nature and the role that the Messiah would fulfill. They knew of Jesus, but they did not know Jesus. 
Yeah, what the masses think is one thing, but it's altogether different when this question hits home. Look, look at verse 15. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Forget about the masses. I want to know what you think. Who do you say I am? I can imagine the silence as these disciples must have been looking at one another, wondering who was going to speak first. I mean, it's, it's easy to give the opinion of others, but it takes gut to put yourself out there and to share what you actually believe. Who do you say I am? Who is this Jesus? This is the most important question that you will ever be asked. And the reason that it is so important is because how you answer will determine everything about you. Your worldview, where you will find joy in life, what you will pursue. But most importantly, how you answer this question will determine your standing before God Almighty and whether or not you will find entrance into his kingdom. Who is this Jesus? Who do you say I am? Of course, it was impetuous Peter who, who, who broke the silence. Let's, let's see his response. Look at, look at verse 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter made the good confession. Now, if we're not careful, this could be a dangerous verse for us. And the reason that it is so dangerous is, is because we can just blow right by it. And in doing so, miss the meaning altogether. Growing up in a Western culture that has been formed and shaped by a Christian worldview, we can read a word like Christ without batting an eye. We, we say Jesus Christ as if Christ is his last name. But, but it's not a name. Rather, it is a title. And, and so when, when Peter said, you are the Christ, what he was communicating was, was a word that was not only rich in meaning, but was also dangerous to speak. Now you may be asking yourself, well, what's the big deal? I mean, don't you and I make the same confession week in and week out? At least I hope we do. But remember the context. At that time, the, the identity of Jesus was a debated issue, hence the differing answers that we found in verse 14. And in, in, in addition to that, to, to claim Jesus as the Christ, this messianic king, was to set oneself up in opposition against the religious leaders of that day, the men who held all the power and sway the men who were already plotting to kill Jesus and were probably willing to persecute any who claimed him as their king. 
to say the words that, that Peter said required great faith and courage. But what do these words mean? What was Peter expressing when he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God? These are two titles that, that Peter has given to Jesus in this confession. The first, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is that promised heir to King David, the one who would establish an everlasting kingdom. He is the one who would bring his people out of bondage and give them peace. But he is more than just this rescuing king, for he is also the son of the living God. Jesus has a divine nature as well. He is God incarnate. And Peter recognizes. Now this is the second time that Peter had called him the son of God. The first was on that boat after Jesus had walked upon the water. Peter and the, and the other disciples, they, they worship Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. But, but that was in the heat of the moment, in the midst of the miraculous, when, when, when the minds of these disciples would have been flooded with intense emotions. However, here, this confession, this is different. For Peter had time to process all that he had seen, Sure, he, he could have been like those Pharisees and, and, and Sadducees who tried to rationalize away both Jesus' teaching and his miracles by demanding another sign. But that's not what he did. Instead, he, he, he let the evidence hold its own weight and allowed, allowed it to lead him to the truth. And even though his, his emotions had been tempered, and he had been given time to reflect, he came to the same conclusion that he had on that boat. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Dear friends, true faith isn't driven by emotions. Rather, it is like a rock that grows stronger and stronger as time passes on. And this is what we see in Peter. He, he, had, he had been with Jesus since the beginning. He had, he had seen the evidence, all the signs and wonders, and he understood their significance. Peter made the good confession, despite all the pressure that there was, to say just a little bit less. How about you? Who do you say Jesus is? Is he just a man? Just a good moral teacher with some nice words to say? Is he just a prophet? Someone whom God spoke through, but nothing more? Is he an angel? One who is higher than a man, but a created being nonetheless? Or is he more than that? Only one answer will suffice. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Nothing less than that confession will bring about the blessing of God. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 say this, 
that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Brothers, sisters, salvation is found in no one else. You must trust in Jesus and in him alone. The blessing of God comes to those who have faith. Faith that, that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. You must believe this confession. How did Jesus respond to, to, to Peter's confession? Look at, look at verse 17. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Blessed are you. God's favor is upon you. And why? Because this confession was revealed to you by, by the Father in heaven. This is the other aspect of faith. Not only is it something that develops over time, but it is also a gift that comes from the Father. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Don't you see? Nobody can come to the Son in their own ability. Rather, Jesus must be revealed by the Father. This is what Christ meant in, in Matthew chapter 11 when he said this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Knowledge of the identity of Jesus is revealed to men by the Lord of heaven and earth. And so we see that faith in Jesus is not only something that grows, but it also originates with the Father. Without his revelation, a person will always be in the dark when it comes to Christ. But blessed are they who make this good confession. For the Father has revealed to them the true identity of his Son. And because of that, they have now become a part of his community. Look at verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Making a play on words, Jesus speaks of Peter as being this rock. Peter means rock. Upon him, Christ will build his church. Now the Greek word that is used for church here is ekklesia. And it, it literally means the, the called out ones. Back then, if, if a community needed to have, have a meeting, they, they would call the people out of their homes in order to gather at a certain spot. 
In a Jewish community, this meant meeting at the local synagogue. Today, God's, God's people are, are called together every Sunday in order to worship God and to have fellowship with one another. We are the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And from our passage today, we see that, 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 that as Christ builds his community, he would use Peter along with these other disciples to call people out of the darkness and into the light. And it would be the message of the gospel, that, that good news about Jesus, that would be their, 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 their calling forth. In order that any who, who, like Peter, who makes this good confession, could come and assemble together as God's people. This is why Jesus said that, that he, is, he was given the keys of the kingdom. For one must have a key to the gate in order to allow entrance in. And what is this key? It is that confession that Peter just made. It is the good news of the gospel. The authority that Peter was granted began with his correct understanding and simple trust in who Jesus is. And that question that was put forth to Peter, who do you say I am? He would then ask to others around him. Who do you say Jesus is? And for those who made that same good confession, they would then be welcomed in to the gathering, into this ecclesia. Dear friends, as the gospel is proclaimed, it has the power to bind and the power to loose. For those who are granted faith from the Father above, for those who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, for them the gate is wide open. But for those who deny this good confession, they are still bound in their sins, and the gate of the kingdom of heaven is shut. No better example do we find of Peter being this gatekeeper than in Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 39 says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It is here that we see this confession proclaimed as, as God used Peter to call his people unto himself. Listen. The, the, the ministry of the keys is to declare the gospel to all men. And it's not just given to Peter, but to each and every person who makes this good confession. If you are here today and you proclaim Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, then you too have been given the keys to the kingdom. You are to go into the world calling men to repentance and to trust in this Jesus.
You are to tell them that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. This is not an easy task. It is one that is fraught with frustration and danger. But it is your role as Christ's church, his ecclesia, his called out ones. You are to go. For this is how he builds his church. It is his master plan, and it is a powerful one. He says that the gates of Hades will not overcome it, for this confession is mighty. It has the strength to turn a rebellious soul into a holy saint. Well, Peter wouldn't take up this charge right away. It wouldn't be until after the, the resurrection. For the time being, Jesus wanted him and his companions to be silent in regards to this manner. Look, look at our last verse, verse 20. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Jesus still had more to do and these men still had more to learn concerning the meaning of this confession. And we'll find that meaning in the second half of Matthew's gospel. But for now, let us pray. Father, we thank you for revealing to us your son. He is the Christ, our Messiah. He is our Savior King, and He is our God. And it is only through Him that we can find entrance into Your kingdom. By the power of Your Holy Spirit, grant to each and every one of us the faith that we need to believe this confession. And may You give us the strength to be Your church, Your ecclesia, Your called-out ones, as we go into the world asking that same question to others, who is this Jesus? Use us to, to build your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.